from where should I preach? Ah, uh, the blessed. Excuse me. The blessed music stand. Mm. Good morning, everyone. Let me also introduce to you Robert and Deneen Blevins. Uh, Robert is uh, a team member with me from Missions in North America, and he's here with his lovely wife, Deneen. They live in Huntsville, Alabama, and uh, I really am grateful for their support and help. Yesterday, we had the opportunity to train some deacons uh, in your presbytery, um, and that was a, a great time. Uh, you, you may have noticed I have a patch over my eye. I, about a week and a half ago, I woke up and uh, I realized I'd been hit with something. I thought it was a stroke, went to the emergency room, and it's Bell's palsy. And uh, so my eye droops, my mouth droops. So please be patient with me and my pronunciation. Uh, yesterday when I walked into that meeting, a young man said, oh, I like your eye patch. And this is not an accessory, okay? Uh, it's, it's not a fashion statement. It's because it's, it looks pretty weird uh, with my eyes. So that's what's going on. And I appreciate your prayers for my healing. Lord willing, it won't last too long. Uh, this is the second time in my life I've had it. And no one ever knows how long uh, it'll last. But... The Lord is still good to me, and I give him glory and praise and thanks. And I'm really glad to be with you guys again. Uh, thank you so much for uh, your welcome to allow me to come and preach to you. It's a pleasure uh, to be with you. Uh, today, our text is from the book of Romans. And so if you have your Bible, please uh, open up. Uh, to Romans chapter 15, and I will read the text, then I will pray. And we're going to begin reading uh, at verse 2, uh, Romans uh, 15, beginning at verse 2. When you have it, say amen. Amen. All right. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance... And through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness 
in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy Father. Thank you for another Sunday morning. Thank you for an opportunity and a blessing to be gathered together in Jesus' name to sing songs of praise, to hear the scripture read in our hearing, to pray, and to hear the word of God. We have confessed our sins, Lord, and we thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross to forgive us. And we come to worship you, Lord Jesus, not simply as a baby in a manger, but as the crucified one, the buried one, and the risen one. You are the Lord of all, and we praise you. Oh, Holy Ghost, come and anoint me in my weakness and my feebleness. Use me for your glory. We pray today for our country. We pray for all those in authority over us. Lord, you know that the Congress and the president and the political parties are at odds and there's so much confusion in our land. Would you heal our country? Would you please help our leaders to do right? Will you give them cause to fear you and to bow down before you? Save us, O God, and help us. We ask these things for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. It's about to be Christmas. And uh, I'm sure you've noticed that. And uh, some of us are still in the process of buying presents. And I learned something a long time ago about buying Christmas presents. That uh, I needed to be careful when I bought a present for my wife that it was really what she wanted, and it wasn't just something that I thought she needed to have. I mean, it's not a good idea to complain about the cleanliness of your house and then to buy your wife a broom or a vacuum cleaner for Christmas. Doesn't You know, it's a practical gift, very practical, but it doesn't imply love. Okay, it it sort of implies duty. And for some of you men who haven't learned that yet, I encourage you to rethink your gift. Well, today I want to talk about practical Christmas presents. Now, this passage is a passage all about reconciliation. It's a passage about bringing people together. People within the church. And people 
in the world, Jews and Gentiles, and it, and it really flows out of chapter 14 uh, of Romans. If you know your Bible, you know there's a big fight going on in chapter 14. And the big fight is about uh, things that someone might think is really important and another person might think is not so important. And you know how it is in, with us Christians that some of us can get all caught up uh, with things that we say, no, this is every Christian ought to do this. No Christian should do that. And we come into church with those opinions. They're pretty strong. And sometimes they will just split a church. They will divide people, and people uh, will, will have hostility. And in Romans 14, they were arguing about things like uh, meat. Uh, should I eat meat offered to idols? Or should I not meat? Should I just eat vegetables? You know, we, we had that fight going on without Christianity. You know, and, and, and people having struggles with, can I, should I be a vegan? And how could you possibly eat anything with a face? And stuff like that, you know. And those of us uh, who live in Tennessee who hunt and uh, kill, uh, uh, we don't understand the argument. But uh, in the context, there's all this struggle. So I'm, 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 I'm approaching the text as if we we're going to open some presents that are practical to help us deal with that. So I've got four points, and we're going to go through our text. And it's, it's going to be like we're on Christmas morning, we're opening gifts from God. Okay? Because here's what he's given us. This is his word, and it's a gift to us to help us live our Christian life. And, and he is not like me as a husband who's kind of clueless and, and gives offensive gifts. He gives practical gifts because he knows we need them. But he also gives gifts because he loves us. Amen? amen? And by the way, you're allowed to say amen. Okay? Amen. There you go. Now, my first point is this. We are given the gift of the example of Christ. What a powerful gift it is. Now, the Lord Jesus didn't just come to be an example to us. Uh, you know, some people think that's the sum total of Christianity. Let me read the life of Jesus. Let me le read the life of Christ. And let me try as well as I can to be like him. That's a very frustrating a way to approach Christianity because you can't do it. In case you haven't figured it out, you ain't Jesus. You know, Jesus is the Son of God. He's God himself. Now, he was tempted in every point like we are. And those temptations were real. And God, the Father, blessed him. He was able to say, uh, get behind me, Satan. He never fell like we fall. But Jesus is not just an example to us. He is the power of God in us. When we come to faith in Christ, we, all things uh, become new, Romans uh, and Corinthians teaches us, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Uh, we get a new heart and a new life. We, the Holy Spirit comes and empowers us to live the Christian life. So Christianity is not mere imitation of the life of Jesus as a good example. But he is an example. And, and that's important to, to appreciate uh, in the right way. It, so it's not how you become a Christian, 
But it helps you, certainly, as a Christian. How do I know what Jesus would want except I read in the Gospels how he lived and what he did? And here we are told uh, in the book of Romans uh, that he is an example for us. What does it say? Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up, for Christ did not please himself. So here Paul is pointing, look at the example of Jesus. But as it was written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Now that's a quote from the Psalms, and it's talking about how uh, uh, the zeal of God's house uh, was uh, on the psalmist, and he was living so much for God that he, was, he would bear the shame of that. Sometimes when you live for God, people mock you, uh, people uh, resist you, people persecute you. And so he says, those reproaches fell on me. And so he's using this uh, as, as an example of how Jesus didn't just live to please himself. Now there's another passage that talks a lot about this, and that's Philippians chapter 2. Do you remember that? Uh, where it says that, that Jesus emptied himself and took upon himself the form of a servant, even though he was God. And he didn't think it robbery to be counted equal with God. Yet when he came down to earth, what did he do? He humbled himself. And, and you know, and Christmas is part of the example of that. We, when we talk, with, when we have a, a, a creche, is that how you pronounce it? Crash, crash. Okay, a crash. Uh, you know the the manger scene. That should tell you every time you look at it, you should remember that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that we through his poverty might be made rich. This is the humility of God. We sang a, a Christmas carol. It, it says he does. He did not abhor the virgin's womb. The almighty, omnipresent God locked himself in the womb of a woman. That's humility. Jesus surrendered all that glory to become a human being and live and walk among us. And, and it says he took upon himself the form of a servant. Jesus did not live to please himself. Now remember, I told you that chapter 15 comes out of chapter 14 about all this struggle. And so Paul is thinking in his head as he's writing, you know, here's one of the problems in church. People live to please themselves. They put their expectations, their standards of what's right. They, they add that to the scripture. Now, there's only one word of God. We don't add to it. We don't take away from it. That's not right. That God has spoken. That's his word. But the problem is a lot of times our attitudes, our opinions, uh, our personal standards get added to the scriptures. And we are ready to fight over those. Instead of waking up on a Sunday morning or even any time during the week as the church is involved in its life, do you wake up with the attitude, I am going to intentionally try to please somebody else beside myself today? I don't know if I've ever had a day like that. 
Because most of the time, as human beings, it's about pleasing ourselves. This is, this is the gift that Jesus gives us. It's the first present I'm talking about today. Jesus wants you to, absol- to actually, intentionally, live to please other people. Now, we, a lot of us live obligation. We live lives of duty. Okay, hey, I get up here, I go to work. I mean, of course I'm living for other people. I got to pay the bills. I'm taking care of my family. I'm, I'm talking about a deep heart attitude that's intentional, not by accident. That you, and, and, and especially in moments of conflict especially in moments of disagreement. Is the disagreement of such nature that the word of God is at risk? Is the disagreement of such nature that we're talking about heresy? Or are we just talking about what you think is best? And brothers and sisters, we need to make that discernment. And so what's the example of Christ? He didn't live to please himself. That's a practical gift. Amen? And, and, I will, and I'm going to grant you this. It's not easy. It's not easy. See, what, 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 our, to live with the idea that my job is to build other people up is not my natural inclination. I need the Holy Spirit to do that. And so that's, I, I want you to, to as, I, as I'm, here's the danger of being a preacher. I can tell you the things you ought to do, and if I don't tell you how God can help you do it, it can really mess with you. So please understand that everything I'm talking about, when I talk about this is what God wants you to do, I'm talking with the idea that if you don't have God's grace helping you, you don't get it done. So, Cry out to God. You know, if this is hard for you, you know, and, and, and most of us think it's not hard till you get into an argument. You don't think it's hard until something is very meaningful to you that you, that you don't, you want to insist on. Now, it tells us here, and, and you saw in the bulletin this word welcoming. And and this has everything to do with welcoming. Verse 7, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is part and parcel of of caring about what your neighbor thinks, what what your brother or sister thinks, what's good for them. This is, there's another way of, this word is translated also, accept. Again, it flows out of, of Romans 14. I can't accept you. I can't accept you because I've come to the conclusion this is the way Christians ought to be. Is, are you telling me that because the word says it or because it's a cultural opinion? Because it's a political opinion. Can you believe we actually have people in the PCA who come into a church and cannot believe that a Christian could be a Republican? Now, you say, I thought it was the opposite. And of course, I said it that way on purpose. 
because you know people have said that the Presbyterian Church is the Republican Party at prayer. It's, it's true. It's what people have called the Presbyterian Church. But I want you to know that a lot of uh, middle class, white, suburban Christians who are uh, in the PCA who are all prone to be Republican, uh, every once in a while come into contact with their brothers and sisters who come from the Democratic Northeast, where I grew up. And there are an awful lot of Christians who come out of there who have never met a Republican who is a Christian. And they can't understand it. Now, here's the, here's the question. Is that Bible? Now, now, now we, we have a lot of issues. I am against abortion. I'm, you know, I, but I am not ready to say that everybody in the Democratic Party is of the devil. And here's the question. If, 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 if we keep treating that people that way, will they ever come to our church to be saved? If, if, if we are totally associated with one political party, have we lost the free welcome of the gospel? Because we have so put, wrapped ourselves in a partisan flag. Now, let that fall where it may. Let me get on to the second point. Another present to open up. The scripture and the testimony of endurance so that we might have hope. Here's a present under the tree for you as a Christian. The word of God, everything that was written in the scripture was written to help us. That's what the Bible says here. And all the testimony of what we have endured in our life of faith is there along with the scripture for one purpose, to give us hope. Uh, this Christmas, God has a gift for you. It's called hope. And here's how it's engaged. You read the Bible, and it increases your faith. And you remember how the Lord has answered your prayers. You are here today as a Christian because you've endured some stuff. You, you have lived some life, and you have, you've had trouble. I mean, it, it, there's no such thing as a human being in a fallen world without trouble. And if it hasn't come, it's coming. <laughs> and as you enter into trouble, and you endure it, and you survive, and you look back, and you say, man, that was nothing but God. How did God get me through that? It might be as simple as an automobile accident. It might be a cancer. It may, might be some other chronic disease. It, it might be a, 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 a anguish in your marriage. It, it might be friction between parents and children. Uh, I don't know what it could be. So many things come in life. And we pray and we ask the Lord for deliverance and we ask him to help us through it and we get through it, and we look back, and it's like the, the Red Sea had opened up and we came through on dry land. We endured. Scripture says, he who endures to the end will be saved. Through many tribulations we come to the kingdom. 
And along the way, God has also given to us his word. And his word, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the scripture says. And so sometimes we're running out of hope. We, we, we feel our backs against the wall. We don't know what to do. And we read the word. It's like a miracle takes place. We hear the voice of God. He said, now I'm not done with you yet. I've got, I've got a purpose for you. It doesn't matter how much is against you. I'm for you. If God be for us, who can be against us? So here's that Christmas present of hope. We have the example of Christ who did not please himself so that we might live to build one another up. And we have the word of God in our own testimony of endurance that it might give us hope and encouragement. It gives us encouragement so that we might live in harmony. Look at, look at verse 5 with me. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a gift of hope that, that has a purpose. He wants us to live in harmony with each other. Now, that's what church ought to be. You know, there's too many, so many people uh, on social media and in the world are talking about how the church hurt them and how church beat them up and uh, they were abused in church. And so it, it could have been emotional abuse. It could have been uh, sexual abuse. I mean, there's a lot of bad stories out there. Now, I will tell you this. Thank the Lord. Most people who are in church are grateful to God to be in one. It is still the place of joy and worship and gratitude. But we, here's, here's a newsflash for you. You probably don't know this here in Oregon. But most people uh, who go to church are people. I mean, come on, that was a profound statement right there. In other words, uh, you are stuck uh, in, a, in a community of fallen, sinful people. There is no such thing as a church um, where everybody's all that they ought to be. When you, when you joined this church and you came, you brought your baggage with you. You brought your family background. You brought your personality. Uh, you brought all your struggles. Now, you hopefully are washed in the blood of Christ. Hopefully you came with a commitment to follow Jesus, but you are still a human being. And if you, if, you, know, in, you know, as they say, if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. Okay? We, we struggle as saints. We struggle with our sins. God has given you hope so that you might live in harmony. Sometimes we lose hope because we're discouraged about the reality of people's sinfulness. What did you expect? 
Well, I joined this church because we have a perfect pastor. And the elders are perfect. And they never make any mistakes. Oh, wait a minute. Just wait at least a minute. And you'll see the truth. I didn't come to bash your, your particular elders. I was speaking generally, okay? This is as true of New City and Chattanooga as it is here. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Okay. So, the example of Christ, the scriptures, and the testimony of endurance, again, in the context of a chapter that's talking about reconciliation and living together. And now the third present, and remember I got four points, is the work of Christ in accomplishing reconciliation. And which uh, the apostle here goes into some detail about through verses 8 and 12. And he quotes a lot of passages from the Old Testament about God's plan. This is why Christmas took place. This was what God was going to do. And Paul is writing Romans, and he said, you know, he, he said at the beginning of it, I'm obligated to both Greeks and Jews to preach the gospel to you. He, he is, he's the Jew who was a fanatic, who hated Gentiles. God saved him and called him as a missionary to the Gentiles. And God revealed a mystery to him. He speaks about this in Ephesians chapter 3 that had been kept hidden. And here he's giving the clues that had always been there in the scripture. God had an agenda. And his agenda was to keep his promise to the patriarchs, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to send the Messiah. I'm going to save my people. I'm going to redeem you. But he also had this agenda. And I'm going to redeem you so that we might reach the whole world that the Gentiles might be joined together with you. And when the Jews heard this, when Paul proclaimed this, they hated him for it. It's one of the reasons that eventually he had to go all the way to Rome and appeal to Caesar, because as soon as he started talking about taking what was a a, a Judaism that had been fulfilled in the coming of the Messiah as going to the Gentiles, they didn't want to hear it. They wanted to kill him. This is a great Christmas present. Now, I don't know how many of you here today are of Jewish background, but I would assume most of us are Gentiles. And Paul is saying, man, you better be happy. God did not have to include you. You're here by grace. You're you're here because of the intentionality of God to open the doors of mercy. That's what reconciliation always represents. The door was opened to people he could have kept out. Part of my job is to preach a gospel of reconciliation in a racial society. Part of my calling is to preach peace to people who have been at war. 
And we, our country is a nation full of an atrocious history of racism. And, you know, people uh, like to say things like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it, it, children are born without racism. It, it's just their parents who ruin them. Otherwise, we'd all get along. Now, now, please let me correct that as a Calvinist. If you were not raised with racism, your heart is evil enough to invent it all by yourself. It is not just what somebody taught you. It is a product of the human heart that we would love ourselves and we would love our own people and we would create differences and fear and hatred as part of the sin of the world. And Jesus is against that. Okay, in case you, let me just say that clearly. Jesus is against racism. <laughs> He's against hatred. He, he's, he's against your feeling you're superior to somebody else. And what he is for is love. And he is the fulfillment of the plan of God to bring peace. That's a great Christmas present. It's a great package. And, and as soon as you, if any of you ever feel arrogant and think you're better than somebody else, please remember your Gentileness. You didn't have to be let into the house. But God made you family. And he said, I'm going to adopt you. You who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He is our peace. And I am absolutely convinced that the power of God is able to break down every barrier between us. Our ethnicity and our cultures are important. Uh, our color, it's a gift from God. Our background, it's a gift from God. Not to be despised, but it is certainly not to be made an idol that we would trample other people. You did not have to be invited in, but it was by mercy you got here. I don't hear any amens at this. I don't know why. Let me get to my fourth one. Here at the end of my sermon, one other Christmas present God gave us are two benedictions in this text. This text is rich because you know what a benediction is? You know at the end of the church, uh, the pastor will give one today. You know, and he might ask you to put out your hands or he might lift his hands above you. And often that benediction will begin with the words may. And some people say, oh, benediction are good words. It's, it's, it, it, but it's also a prayer. Uh, what I'm talking about are what you find in both verse 5 and verse 13. Look at them with me. Verse 5, may the God... See, there it is. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together, that's reconciliation, you may with one voice, that's unity, 
Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the will of God. Reconciliation is the will of God. Unity is the will of God. Hey, remember this when you get into a fight and you want to walk out of the church and take other people with you. Remember this when you want to put somebody else down. Jesus wants us to be one. Together. What's the other benediction? Look at verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Man, is that rich? Is that cool? That is a great Christmas gift. What if God gave it to you? He is. Now, have you ever gotten a gift as a kid? You got a toy, and you opened it up, and you pulled it out, and it wouldn't work. Because there was a little note on the box. Batteries not included. Okay? You had to have batteries to make this thing work. It's so frustrating. You know, then you got to send somebody out. Hopefully, your parents smart enough to read the box, buy the batteries, so you can actually use it on Christmas morning. We're not all that smart as parents, I confess. And I will tell you that this uh, benediction needs batteries. And it, did you see what it says? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In believing, there's the batteries. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, there's the batteries. Two double A's right there. Faith and the Holy Ghost. God is giving you something. Joy and peace. And the joy and peace lead you to be filled up with hope. But you won't get them unless you trust them. Unless you admit your own inadequacy and weakness and cry out for the power of the Holy Ghost. Now you say, well, we're Presbyterians, and it's only Pentecostals who need the Holy Ghost. Don't be an idiot. Presbyterianism is a Holy Ghost religion. We, we, we cannot even understand the scriptures without the Holy Ghost. All our confessions teach us this. We can't come to God. We can't even understand uh, uh, redemption without the Holy Ghost. Everything we, we say and confess is built on the power of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit is the one who enables you to live like Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the one who enables you to finally get a hold of hope. Your faith and the power of the Lord in you is what finally gives you joy and peace. You say, I don't, I don't have any joy and I don't have any peace. Then you are not trusting God and you are not depending on God to bring it. You're not going to get, you don't drum up joy and peace in yourself. Of course, the things of this life are going to suck you down, make you feel miserable, 
You're going to be overwhelmed with trouble. How do you, how do you make it? I believe Jesus loves me. I believe Jesus loves me. I'm not worthy of his love, but I believe he loves me. And that, that love means everything to me. I have peace with God. I know God is not angry with me. I've sinned. I've done horrible sins. I don't deserve forgiveness, and I don't deserve to go to heaven. But I am forgiven. I'm a son of the king. Through no fault of my own. <laughs> he loves me. And I have hope. Let's pray. Holy Father, bless the people. Bless the people with these wonderful gifts. That they may know the power of your work in their hearts. And that they might have the power to love other people. Even within their own congregation. That they might have love to power, to, the power to love people. Lord, who are different from them racially and culturally and ethnically and Oh, Lord, give them harmony. Give them the ability with one voice to glorify you. We ask it for your glory, and in Jesus' name, amen.